tithe to me and to this house, and, and they're in the economy of God that I've taught them to be in, and I don't want them to be ignorant about make sure they know what we're doing. So we're glad that you're joining us today. Uh, it's the best place I know you could be if you're watching television or whatever today. We were just talking about the first fruit offering last Sunday. We have 50 days. The word 50 is the, in Hebrew is penta. So from Passover to Pentecost, we have 50 days to, to give that. You know, I have a lot of people, I say a lot, a few people who, you know, they're, they're, they kind of panic. You know, like, well, what, if I, what, what if this don't happen by the Passover, by First Fruit Sunday? I'm like, look, you got 50 days. But, you know, us, uh, we who have been walking this walk for a long time, you know, we, we are preparing. There's, there's no way, you know, I, let, me tell you, let me tell you a story. I was studying the other day about Peter being in the boat, you know, and man, he was zealous. He wanted to, he, he was going to get out of that boat and he did get out of the boat. But he, what did he find out? Listen, that he wasn't prepared. He wasn't prepared. I, I, I learned years ago that, per, that failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So you have, you have to prepare. It's the same thing with our walk with God. We have to prepare. We can't wait to the last minute to do what we know God's requiring us to do. And, and so many of you are doing it. Was, and I appreciated that such the spirit that was here last week of joy and uh, just the wonderful opportunity that Yahweh's giving us to know how to give and then the opportunity to give us so that we can give and be in His economy. It's a wonderful thing. And... Uh, and what that is, for those of you that are watching, everybody here knows, every year we get our first fruit offering is the first paycheck of the sacred year. And somebody, everybody gets paid different, you know, I know. But So I basically say this, you can take last year's salary, divide it by 52, and you can bring that offering to the Lord. What I like to do is I like to give uh, an offering divided by 52 of what I want to make this year. And when we get in the right economy plan with God and we are walking in honesty with Him, let me tell you what, there's really nothing that can limit you. I'm, I, God's going to have limit. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that everybody is going to be a billionaire. I don't know that everybody's going to be a millionaire, but you can certainly live like one. Listen close to what I'm saying. You can live like one except having all the heartaches of having to manage money. I think that we would be in a lot better shape with our attitudes if we didn't have so much stuff on our plates, balancing this plate, we, we're like those guys on Ed Sullivan. You remember those guys that come out, start balancing those plates and run over here, balance that plate, spin it, get it. We, we got so many things going, we never can rest. And we're wore out just from the cares of life. So anyhow, you know, I'm receiving first fruit offerings for 50 days. After that, I won't be receiving it again. And so uh, that's the only time that I, I receive that. And I, I appreciate those that feel a part of us. You know, the bottom line is this. I'm the guy here in this house that's accountable for your souls. That's why I take it very personal when people come, and I take it very personal when people leave. Because I, I'm accountable. So this is what Yahweh told me to do recently. And you should be able to tell by the way I've been preaching. And that's this. He said, Johnny, tell them who I am. Tell them who I am. Who I really am, not, who, not what's being represented out there, and tell them what they're dealing with. You know, I've been studying the, the book of Job again, over, looking that over, the parable of Job. And of course, everybody thinks that the, 
that Satan is that the, the harlot's version, modern Christendom's version. When I say modern, it ain't really that modern guy. We're talking about going back to the Roman Empire. And so we see that, you know, that it's an adversary. And that adversary has zero ability to do, inflict anything or bring anything bad on Job. So what does he do? He appeals to the only person that can afflict bad on us in the spiritual realm, and that's God. And God said, okay, I'm going to do this, this, this. God's hand was against Job. So people don't want to hear that. Well, I don't want to serve a God that does it, that's like that. Well, then don't. He don't really care. He will drown, drown us and flush us. Because he's, his agenda is not to save the whole world. His agenda is he's calling out a people who want to rule and reign with him and to be part of the God family. And you don't, you know, let's face it. If, it's too, if it sounds too good to be true, can you imagine that the greatest thing in the history of mankind that you could ever get is just free? Or that we have that, that mentality that, well, somebody paid, bought it for me. Hallelujah. I ain't got to do nothing. I ain't got to do nothing because God likes me. Now, the reason I know it is because my preacher tells me every week how wonderful I am, and God don't really care what I do. He just loves me. He just loves me unconditionally. Well, probably they ain't never found that word in the Bible. Look for it. What they're really saying to me is that when they say, I want you to love me unconditionally, this is what I, I'd interpret it. You just don't want to be telling you about your sin in your life. You don't want me to rebuke you and correct you about sin in your life. I thought you loved me unconditionally. I do. I'm going to tell you and love you the way God wants you to do. Then he told me this. Tell them that I really desire, want, and require an honest relationship. Tell you what. God don't tolerate cheating. You cannot marry Yeshua and continue to sleep with the world. Are y'all with me today? It's a wonderful day. If you listen to me and put it to practice, your life will never be the same. I'm going to do something that I haven't done that I don't really do. Usually when I was a kid, you know, we learned this. Turn your Bibles this morning to John chapter 10, verse 1 or 3. I'm taking my sermon today out of this text of Scripture, and then I, I start one-lining it, using one-liners, and building theology and doctrine upon these one-liners. Well, today I'm not going to do the latter part. I'm not going to build theology and doctrine one-liners. But I am going to use the first three verses out of John chapter 10 today. Once you understand what the Bible says, and when it says the thief cometh not but kill, steal, and destroy, you're going to find out that ain't Satan that he's talking about or the devil. We're going to look, look at that. Just remember that while I'm teaching this morning or sharing with you. Because I know... As I speak to you those things that God has revealed and spoken to me about what to speak to you about. Because I look for it every week. Sometimes it builds up and there's like uh, trying to fly out of Orlando Airport during a thunderstorm. The tarmac gets lined up. You're going to be playing flight number 57. And you have to wait. There they go. Wait. There they go. And don't you know they don't keep that air conditioner on too good when you're sitting there? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, I titled this this morning to help you 
maybe bring together my thoughts. And I have confidence this morning that even in my lack of abilities, the Spirit of God is going to take what I say and talk straight to you today. You hear me? He's going to talk straight to you. He's going to talk straight to you. Some other way is the way, is what I'm titling this today. So we're talking about first verse in John chapter 10. If you don't enter by the door into the sheepfold, but you climb up some other way, some other way, turn to your neighbor and say, some other way. Tell them, say, some other way. The same as a thief and the robber. For the thief cometh but to kill, steal, and destroy. Now we're going to see who the Heath, Keith really is, because that scripture is John 10.10. 10. Who's the real thief? Who's going, how are you going to get killed and destroyed? What's the thief that does that? Well, he's telling you right now. Somebody that does it another way. Are you hearing me? But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him that the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Listen, the fact is, sadly, I don't know what, what, you, what letters you use in my, my psychological condition. I tell people I'm OCD, ADD. Not to make light of anybody that has these conditions, but the fact is, I'm OCD, but only for a short time. We see this, John 10. We read these scriptures. I've read them in such a light for over the years by such a heavy influence of, you know, I used to blame preachers and the denomination I was in. And I, and I, I do sort of, but really I'm going to tell you what, will, what messes up the, the interpretation of scriptures. Our flesh. Because <laughs> we're going to read it the way we want to read it. And we're going to apply it the way we want to apply it. And we're going to not apply it the way when we don't want to apply it. Ain't no preacher going to make you do that. Don't blame that on your mom and daddy. So we got this beautiful, comforting picture, you know. All oh, the sheep and the shepherd. And we have all this music playing, you know. But here, John is speaking. And I mean, in, this, in the book of John, we hear this, this speaking out. It's starting out with this kind of a negative aspect. A kind of a dark aspect. But I unquestionably understand that the, the divine wisdom of God in the way he says things has a very good reason. And it's always for my profit if I will ponder it and listen to it and know it and obey it. It always, it never steals from me. I, it's so easy to read, read the Bible and get entranced in some of the beauty of it. How good God is, because the Bible says God is good. And so did the prayer we prayed every day at mealtime. God, God is good, great God is good. Let us thank for our food, amen. By his hands we are fed, whatever. But this is what people don't for, they forget. The goodness of Yahweh is hedged with very narrow limits and very solemn warnings. And it's not goodness that happens to those who ignore these warnings. It's severity. Let's talk about it this morning. This is in a continuation and in agreement with what we've been saying and who God's trying to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know who he is. He wants me to tell you who he is. Let me just tell you this. The flesh, your flesh, my flesh, I'll talk about my flesh. My flesh always wants to do it some other way. Some other way that pleases us. 
I got to tell you, my wife don't understand well if I'm going somewhere that I turn here and not there. Anybody married in this room today that your wife doesn't understand why you turn there? Why don't you go the right way? Am I in the right room today? Huh? That's what, what are you turn here for? Well, I mean, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just, I just wanted to see what this, what this stop sign was like. I'm going, I'm going the way you want. Your flesh wants to do it some other way. I'm the worst. Oh, you're going to do it that way? I'm going to do it this way. Oh, I, know I got a better way. I'm going to do it that way. The whole, this is the whole basis and the significance of the temptation of Yahshua in the wilderness. And that is this, that it was, they were all a shortcut. It's some other way. That's what he was challenged with in the wilderness. Okay, that's what you can do. You hungry? got to tell you what, just do this. Oh, you're going to be king one day? Well, don't wait. Just do this. Do. He, we want to do it some other way. Because our way is the best way, it. You can't go to dinner without an argument when you're riding in the car if you think your right way is the right way. Because by the time you get there, they just say, forget it. I'll tell you the way we're going to go right back home. <laughs> oh, I got on the right page this morning. Maybe I should talk about marriage a little bit. I don't know. These are only from stories people told me in counseling. This never happened to my wife and I. Okay. Let me tell you this. This is what Yahweh told me to tell you. There's only one way. Yah's way. Y'all listen to me. There's no other way. There's only Yah's way. What, what if I go around here? No. He said no. There's only one way. Last week, what did we learn? Don't tell God no. Don't tell him no. This week, we're going to learn this, hopefully. There's only one way. And for me... I have to relentlessly continue to bring myself back to that right way. Because that's what the walk is. That's why if we sin, we have to confess our sin. What are we doing? We're getting back in line. We're getting in alignment again. We're getting back on the right way. We're doing it our way again. I don't know why these things, because you're doing it your way. That road is where all that crap is, and you're alone when you get run into it. Some other way. Some other way sums up the whole lesson of this chapter. It really sums up the whole lesson of and story of salvation. It is all comprised, and it's all culminated in the climatic yet joyful agony. <laughs> I hear what I just said. Joyful agony. Yeah, both words. They go together in this. Of the Garden of Gethsemane. There's, it's agony, but yet it's joyful. And that's what did Yahshua say. I'm going to do it my way. There, he, I got a better way. If you, hey, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Yahshua's flesh was speaking up. I know people think that Yahshua just was so happy all the time. He was never depressed. He never sad. The Bible said he was a man of sorrow. He was much acquainted with grief. He had the accountability of, of the salvation of the whole mankind on his shoulders. But yet, we just think he was happy all the time. I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. I can heal the sick, raise the dead. Look, I'm happy. Look how happy I am. You think he skipped to the garden? You think he was in the garden saying, no. 
He said, not my will, but thy will. Ultimately, he understood the path to salvation, the path to success, the way it was going to get done was to do God's will and not his way. He didn't, couldn't do it another, another way. So here's a scripture for it, people. This is discipleship. This ain't even 101. This is preschool discipleship. He that loseth his life shall find it. I went and looked for myself. I didn't, I, what I found, I didn't like. But I found out that I have to lose this in order to find, to find life. Now, here's this. I'm just going to take a little. This may be a conglomeration today, but I think it's Yahweh's going to do a Roger Van Gunten on it, Joel. A little milk, some eggs, some sugar, flour. One day we was having a meeting. Roger walked in the room, stuck his head in. Milk, eggs, flour, sugar. Walked out. See, we're having cake. <laughs> Here's the thief and a robber. Okay, got to do it God's way. You can't do it. There is no other way. A thief is this. Somebody who's devious and somebody who's deceptive. It's somebody who's anything but honest, perfectly honor, honest, and perfectly pure, and in harmony with what's really true. That's what a thief is. David said this in Psalm 51.6 when he was repenting. Hallelujah. See how it just pops in my pocket like that? When he was repenting, he said in Psalm 51.6, Thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Like I'm telling you, that's Ananias and Sapphira. If you don't walk in honesty with God, bad things can happen to you. That ain't God doing them. It's just it's like this. If you don't obey the law of gravity and you jump off the Empire State Building, something bad going to happen to you. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Yahweh requires an honest relationship with him. What does Yahweh require from us? An honest relationship with him. A robber for those things that are violent and aggressive. Anything that seeks its end by force and pressure and a self-assertion. When you get robbed, somebody said, hey, uh, would you mind please giving me all your money? Oh, they'll pull a knife on you. They'll pull a gun on you by violence and, and aggressiveness and, and, and pressure. And they'll assert themselves upon you and force you to give them what they want. And those are the two basic ways that our flesh operate. So we got these, we got these thieves who want to come into the house of God who want to come into the family of God to find salvation, and they want to come in some other way. They want to do it their way instead of the only way that you can get there. God's way. That's the only way. Yeah, but what if I... No, you can't. There's, if you are, you are a thief, and the thief cometh to kill, steal, and destroy. Thieves who try to do it some other way, life is filled with Kill, steal, and destroy. But Yahshua said, He come that you might have. But you got to do it His way, not your way. Part of the next verse there says, He that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, this, this, this passage of Scripture here, you know, I'm trying to narrow it down to just one aspect of what that really means. But it has a wide range of application here, guys. You know, we, by the fact that Yahshua said in verse 7, he said, I'm the door. And then in verse 11, he said, I am the shepherd. You know, I was like, my God, you're both. Yeah, then I found out he's also the sheep. Okay, so he's the shepherd. He's the door. And he's the sheep. 
I'm like, my God, he's everything. And then I'm like, he's everything. He's everything. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. He's everything. I said it without saying it and meaning the way that we, I do it so many times. Like, you know, Lord, you're everything to me. Oh, I love you. And some worship baloney song. He's everything. This is the first lesson you need to learn. And that is, he's everything. And that ideal and that core belief in your gut and the conception of that, we have to gradually, I'm picking these words out very carefully, you listen, we have to gradually, we have to painfully, we have to stumblingly, if that's even a word, but we have to steadily shape our lives after the fact that Yahshua is everything. And it ain't easy because your flesh is a thief and a liar and it wants everything you got and it's going to steal it, even life from you. And the more I have that lesson learned, I become more and more peaceful and truthful and understanding. Here's the scripture this morning for you that I know most of you can quote. To me, Paul said, to live is Christ and to die. Now, I know we always preach that, you know, because we're going to be with Jesus and all that in heaven. That ain't what it means. I'm going to read you the two scriptures. First, Philippians 1, 19 through 21. That would be two scriptures, three scriptures. To me, let me see. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Yahshua, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. i got to tell you this. And, you know, a lot of people want to know about those people that were, uh, uh, that Yeshua went and preached to that were in prison in Noah's days. Some of you could care less what that means, and that's probably good right now. Because you can't just pick that scripture out and say, oh, he, he preexisted, he, he, he went down to hell where they were. That's just that's just a, a novice, somebody that hasn't really studied to know the truth of, of things that are a little complex and don't make sense. I've made it my life's journey. If I'm going to believe that Bible, it's going to have to make sense to me. And I can't just throw that under the carpet. Well, I don't really know what that means, but if it disagrees with what I believe, then I can't believe what I say I believe. That makes sense. Now watch this. There's something about the Spirit of Christ all through the Scriptures. The Spirit of Christ the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ existed before Yahshua existed. It was in men. And the gospel was preached the Spirit of, by the Spirit of Christ through men. It was preached in the garden. It was preached by Abraham. It was preached by Moses. It was preached by all these men in the Bible. So I want you to remember that. The Spirit of Christ really is something beyond Yahshua himself. Paul said, I know that through your prayers and God's provision... Of the Spirit of Christ, of Yeshua Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Boop, there you go. Can I tell you all this? Well, Paul had a rough time. His wife left him. His family left him. He was a member of the Sanhedrin in good standing. It means he had to be a, a man of family man. And when he accepted Christ, guess what? He lost everything. Everything. Even lost his job killing Christians. Now he's saying, look, I know that through your prayers and through God's provision of the Spirit of Yahshua Christ, what's happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Hallelujah. What a man who understood who God was. And this is what we talked about the other day, guys. You know, everybody wants God to come rescue them before they go into their crisis. i got to tell you, that don't happen much. 
I want you to hear me. It don't happen to much. You're going to, when you're in the middle of your crisis, you have to walk on into your crisis. That's where you're going to find Christ waiting on you to jump. Just come on. Come on. Jump. 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 Come on. Because he's going to deliver you in the middle of your crisis. If you don't believe it, read the Bible. Paul and Silas, they didn't get delivered before they went to jail. Daniel in the lion's den, he didn't get delivered before he got put in the lion's den. Three Hebrew children, they didn't get delivered before they got put into the fire. Are y'all hearing me today? I'm letting you know who God is. He told me to let you know and what you're dealing with. And guess what? Then you're going to find the peace and joy that you're still looking for. He said, I, I know what's going to happen. I know what will happen will be, will be for my deliverance. Listen to this. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, here's his goal, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether I live or die, I don't care. As long as Christ is glorified in me, as long as Christ is glorified in me, if he's exalted in what I say and I do and how I live, even if in death it brings him glory, I say I'm ready to go. All right, I lost some people. Then he said for me to live to die as Christ and to die is gain. You see what, what the concept of that is? I thought, I mean, the context. Let me tell you what I have found personally. Until I reached that point, I didn't know peace, and neither would you. And not only that, you will never be in the fullest sense in the fold or of the sheep. I'm asking you to think about this, about the possibility that we have not in the fullest sense brought ourselves into a true, say true, truthful, honest, intimate, and saving relationship with what we're going to use as an example today with the good shepherd. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's what we're going to call him, the good shepherd. Next verse says this, to him the porter openeth. Okay, if Yahshua's the door, he's the shepherd, he's the sheep. Okay, what, who and what is the porter? Is he that too? Well, in a sense, yes, he is. For us, he's all of those things. At least in the attitude or the understanding of the Spirit of Christ, or to put it in a better way, the Spirit of Christ and the prophets of old. And I don't want to, I'm trying to keep it real simple, not that you're not able to understand it, but, you know, if you're talking to a mechanic, or a mechanic's trying to tell you what's wrong with your car, and he starts giving you all this mechanical talk right there, just tell him, I just want to know what's it going to cost, basically, you know what I mean? So what does that mean? Well, it means if you put the key in it, it won't start. Okay, I understand that. In the scriptures and the word of God, I've learned that I can't nail down my understanding or what I'm trying to believe too hard. I can't become too stiff or mechanical about trying to know and think I know what the, what the Bible is really saying. I have to first understand what it really means historically, grammatically, language-wise. But I also have to, by meditation, and gradually feel the depth and the beauty and the fittingness and the interrelationship of all these things that Yahweh's trying to show us and, and gradually try to absorb the spirit of truth of the picture of the parable and, and metaphor that God's trying to help us understand. And I learned to never pin down prematurely because you can destroy the life and the depth and make the word of God flat and dead if you don't really have understanding. That's one of the reasons I'm in this house as part of my gifting. You have giftings too. 
So we got this porter in this picture, John chapter 10, first three verses. We have a porter. A porter is a guardian of the door. What door? The way. The only way. Here it is. This is the only way in. You can't, if you try to do it your way, get in. You're a thief, and that thief will come and kill and steal and destroy from you. Not the Satan, not devil, not this guy, you know, I'm going to get you with a pitchfork or, or this evil demon being or whatever your concept may. It is the person who tries to let his flesh show him how to come into the things of God. He is, and the porter is always in every scenario, all through history, the rejecter of the unfit. It's interesting to me, Doug came into my office today, and basically he's a porter where he works. He is a rejecter of the unfit. Is that accurate or not, Doug? So what does he do? Well, he's like quality control. He said, I'd be careful because I may get too nitpicky with this thing, you know. But the fact is, he's the porter. It don't get past him. It has to come through him. It has to have examination. It has to pass inspection. The one who examines the, the one who approves all who enter in, who enters in. Basically, let me tell you what the porter is. It's the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the man of God. It's the truth, but it takes various forms and very man, various manifestations. I had a guy tell me years ago, old man, loved him very much, he passed away. And I didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. I was, I would hoping, I was hoping that maybe, you know, you can teach an old dog new tricks, but it's hard to. It's not easy for a man who built his whole career in the ministry say one thing to get up in front of everybody and say, hey, I was wrong, but here's the truth. It's hard. I don't criticize him for it. I just, I'm sad about it. This is what he told me. Son, he told like that. Son, anybody that leaves your church, the reason they're going to leave is going to be because of you. I'm like, well, thanks a lot. And the reason why is because I'm the porter. I have to deal with the unfit. I have to, I have to say you're rejected. I have to say, no, you have to get in or get out. I have the one who has to bring that correction and rebuke to him. Whether, whether or not what it is, when it comes right down to it, that's why people have a hard time with me after they leave. Because they begin to have a hard time because of the standard that I've raised. And I do it because it's a gifting. It's what a porter is. Guess what? You are a porter too. In your world, in your measure of rule, in your life, in your family, the chief servant in the house of God prepares an entrance for the son as the law was it was a schoolmaster to lead people to Yahshua. Moses wrote unto me, the Bible says, all things written in the law must be fulfilled concerning me. There it is. Okay, Yahshua, are all things fulfilled concerning you? No, then you know what? You can't come in. The law of Moses could not allow Yahshua to come in if he hadn't done and been and done everything that was prophesied concerning him. Now, i got to tell you something about Moses. He's very special. He's very, very special to God. And I don't let any Hollywood person, I don't care if they're Jewish or not, put a mental picture of Moses to, to me in my mind. It ain't, I don't see Charlton Heston when I think of Moses. And I don't think of the guy that I saw the other day when I think of Moses. I know he's very special to God. God made it clear when Aaron, and men, Aaron his brother, and Miriam, his sister, questioned his position. This is what he said in Numbers 12. My servant Moses is not so. Look, with him, I'm going to speak mouth to mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. Moses was a special guy. You see, he was very meek. Listen to this, Exodus 33. Yahweh speaks to him as unto his friend. Wow. 
I ain't talking about these little millennials. I am a friend of God. I say, no, you ain't. I am a friend of God. I say, no, you ain't. I am a friend of God. I said, no, you ain't. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. You don't even know his name. You don't even. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Same chapter says he was very meek and above all men and above all men upon the face of the earth. Paul said in Hebrews 11, esteem, he is, listen, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt. He esteemed the riches of Christ above the treasures of Egypt. His Christ-like character was the secret to his special relationship with Yahweh. Somebody should write that down. His Christ-like character was the secret of his special relationship to God. And I'm going to tell you something, and this will judge us. The way, not our way, but the way to this special intimacy with God is open to every one of us. Oh, my God. How can you offer me a can of worms for anything else? You want the riches of Egypt, and you, want, you, you think I'm going to trade billions of dollars for my intimacy with Yahweh? You are out of your damn mind. There's nothing that I would trade for it. It's just a question of how much people really want something and what we're prepared to give up to get it. If you want it bad enough, you'll give up all kind of stuff. I want to tell you something. I know, I've, I've watched Dateline. Here we are. What's that guy's name? You know I me. Mean? I've watched Dateline. People will want another, a man will want another woman so bad he'll kill his wife. He wants it so bad. Don't you know you're going to go to prison? You're doing something stupid, but guess what? They, whatever, I'll just, I'll kill you and my kids so I can have this woman. I'm like, she ain't that good looking. I've never met a woman good enough are good looking enough for me to kill my wife and my kids or even cheat on my wife. How much do you really want it? How much you prepared to you give up to get it? Because it ain't given out lightly, y'all. I don't care what these once saved, always saved people say, because I know they don't know God. It ain't given out lightly. There's got to be sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice? We die daily on His way. It really isn't much. The, the, the great exchange that we have is the best deal I ever had. But it is given freely to those people who seek it with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here's John the Baptist. He was a porter. The last, greatest, the last and greatest of the long prophetic line which Moses was the beginning of and the first of and the head of, John was the tail end of the porter to Yahshua coming. And he said, uh, this is what John, uh, what Yahshua said about John. Listen to this. I think John the Baptist was special. Why? Because Yahshua said, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John. That's pretty good. Y'all with me today? Huh? Let me know. Let me know. One of, is anybody, I need to know if you're with me. Thank you. So, when you go the right way, you do the right thing, not your way, not some other way, not uh, enter in oh, oh, any other way but the door, but you go in the right way, guess what the porter does? He lets you in. The door was guarded from Moses to John, the, two, the porters and all those in between. And finally, the great shepherd came, to the, the one to whom they have all gave a witness to. And on the Jordan banks, the last great porter Open the door of the fold. And this is what he said. Behold, 
the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So here he is, the shepherd and the sheep. He's everything. Behold, here it is. Not him, not him, not him, not him, not that, not this, not that, not that way, not that way. This way. Oh, this, the symbolism oh, just, just gives me so much faith and it gives me so much confidence in the scriptures and Yahshua. He's not only the door and the shepherd and the spirit of the porter. <laughs> he is also preeminently the sheep, the Lamb of God. And listen to what it said in verse 3. To him the porter openeth. Guess what? The porter opens it and the sheep hear his voice. I wish I could break this down to make it, you as excited about it as I am. <laughs> I'm trying. The second great lesson. First great lesson was he is everything. Second great lesson is this. The sheep hear his voice. How do I know and what is the test and the badge of true sheep? So many claim to be his sheep. Listen close to me. So many. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they refuse or neglect to hear the voice of God or come into the hand of the porter. Because when it comes to things that cost them, financially is a big one. I'm going to do it my way. Last week I said this. I said, you don't need to be worried about the cross that Yeshua died upon. The only thing you need to worry about is when your will crosses God's will and you take his way. That's the only cross you need to take. Every day, bear it, take up your cross daily. I take it up with every thought I have to deal with. Am I going to go God's way? What does Lenny Kravitz say? I just got to know, are you going to walk my way? That's what we need to do, Joel. Those who ignore, refuse, and neglect to hear his voice who ignore his testimony and his instructions when they run counter to their own fleshly thoughts and desires. But the true sheep, listen, are eager and anxious to learn and to conform to the Holy Spirit of his teachings. That's why I believe Yahweh said, you tell people this year, if they're going to complain about first fruits often, don't even bring it. I mean, you sure you want to do that? True sheep freely recognize that they, are, that they have a helpless inability to direct their own steps unaided. Sheep. Listen, I had to find this out. And that is that my path and where I was going, I couldn't direct my own steps. Could I be successful in something? Yeah. There's natural laws you can be successful at. But I don't have the ability to direct my steps. I have to let the great shepherd and the porters handle that and help me. The way that Yahweh leads, the Bible says, is narrow. And straight is the gate. Let me tell you what it really means. It's difficult. Difficult for those who are going to do it their way and go their way. And what makes it really hard to go the narrow hard way, as the Bible says, it's only really in your mind because I want to tell you what, sin will take you further than you ever want to go, cost you ever more than you ever want to pay, and keep you longer than you ever want to stay. i got to tell you, I'll take God's hard way because His yoke is Easy, and his burden's light, in my opinion. And I think that's what Yahshua's opinion was, too. I've seen what sin does to people and the path of going their own way. I've seen so many people turn from it to what they think is the pleasant way of the flesh. When we think it's so great because there's no responsibility to make your flesh come under subjection. I want to tell you what. It's easy to sin. It's just easy to sin. We can do, sin is just so easy. We can just sin. Some of you are probably sinning right now. Saying that you wish I'd hurry up. I rebuke you. 
This is what sheep say. This is what I say. People, people when I say this, people think I'm talking about job-wise or, or how I make a living or, or paying my rent or, or my car payment or my light bill or something like that. I got nowhere else to go. Oh, my flesh, I can, go, I can make something happen. I, I, I may be lying to myself, I may know. I believe I can go out of here right now and make something happen. I have other places I could go, but where can I go? Why would I want to go? All, thou only hast the words of life, Yahshua. Yo, where else would I go? There are many, many voices calling to the sheep today. And they're pleasant and they're desirable and they're wonderfully appealing voices about us fulfilling some kind of baloney dream. I said dream. Can I tell you all something? Dreams are not real. They're in your mind. I got a dream. I'm going to do this and I'm going to have that and I'm going to be this. And I'm gonna... Well, go ahead. You can have your dream. I'm not saying you can't have things and make your life better. I'm not saying that. But anything, if it comes before the way Yahweh says... Then I'm saying, don't do it. I am saying that part. There's one voice of the true shepherd of life. And I'm going to tell you, it's a gentle voice, but that's only comparatively. Usually Yahweh talks to me about the way I talk. Yahweh don't talk to me effeminately. He don't say, okay, buddy. Okay, hey, pal. Hey, listen, I was, gonna, I was wondering if maybe you wouldn't do that, if you don't mind. Yahweh don't talk to me like that. My daddy didn't talk to me like that. My daddy wasn't scared of me. My daddy said, boy, go lick across that bed right now. Yeah, but I'm not going to be your friend anymore. He didn't care. My daddy, you think your daddy would care if you were his friend, his buddy? No. Get out of the house. I remember I worked. I started working when I was 13 years old. I made a dollar an hour at the dairy deal. My daddy charged me rent. I didn't know it. He said, I'll save you money for you. I didn't know he was saving it in his bank account. And I, I remember I turned, right before I turned 16, my dad said, hey, you want to get a car? You want, you want a car? Yes, sir. I didn't know I was going to pay for it with the money that he took, some of the money he took from me. My daddy didn't care if I was, you know what? Bye. Get out. Make a living. Do it yourself. Yeah, yeah but you, what about our bond? <laughs> he said, I'll tell you what, when you get arrested, I'm not even going to pay that. How about that? You think God needs to be your little buddy? I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Th yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. He don't tell me in some, hey, now, now listen, I know this may make you bad. He don't, oh, he don't think ahead of time that he better be careful how he says it to me because I may give him the cold shoulder for three months. He don't care. You don't understand that. Yeah, but he's carrying God. Yeah, he cares for the right things, to do the right things, and you're going to do the right thing. And if you don't, go your way and let the thief have you. It's just the way it is. All these voices, man. And there's one gentle voice <laughs> in the terms of which I call gentle. It says, regardless of all your natural, animalistic, carnal feelings, Johnny, you know this is the best and the highest and the most profitable and joyous and peaceful way. And I'm like, I know you're right. I get it right, boy. I'm going to close with this. He calleth his own sheep by name, verse 3. I've tried to keep it in kind of a, not homiletically, but, you know, kind of a little sermon thing so people know that I went to Bible college and for like three months. And he calleth his own sheep by name. Does he call you by name? Not this formal standard chilling, impersonal, blanket form invitation 
by, but a warm, living, personal, individual approach of intimacy and love. I got to tell you, when Yahweh calls you, there's no greater expression of love. He's calling you. He's calling you. When he chooses you, it means that you've loved him back. You hear what I just said? What, what love? You see that commercial where Charles Barkley's on the basketball court with those kids, and he get picked, and he's like, you know how he is, like, yo, you know. He's he picking you, man. He's calling you. And this, maybe this is where I get it from. And if it is, I don't feel so bad about it. There's times I resented the fact that I was this way. But he knows and he addresses each one separately and affectionately and as a close and hopefully beloved friend. Those that come into the gate, those that are, he, the porter lets in to the sheep gate, the gathering of there. They don't come in some other way over here, up around there. They go and do it God's way. The great shepherd knows each one of us if we're his. If we hear his voice, he knows me. He knows all of my problems and all of my hopes. He knows all my sorrows and my joys, my disappointments, my excitements. And he knows me, listen close, like no other human being knows me. Listen close. No matter how intimate somebody else knows you, you heard what I just said, just wave at me so I know. He knows us. He knows me better than Evie knows me. And I have an open, my, my relationship with my wife, uh, I, I hide no thing. I hide nothing from her except when somebody is saying real bad things about me, I don't tell her that. Because I can get over it, but it takes her a little bit longer. When I was a child, I don't know how this happened. I guess this may happen to everybody. I don't think I'm really that much different than everybody else. That's why I use myself as an example, because I figure, hey, what an encouragement. Somebody look at me and say, man, look what God's doing in his life and his walk with God. If he can do it, it should be easy for me. But I had secrets, man. I, I, I had many secrets when I was a child. And then when I came into adolescence and became a teenager, boy, I had a lot of secrets. Anybody relate to me this morning? Huh? Secret, man, I was a secretive dude, man. I became, I hid stuff from people. I hid stuff from my parents. I mean, I hid cigarettes. I hid hiding places. Uh, I hid other things under my mattress. And uh, I hid stuff, man. I, I hid stuff. I was, a, I was and, and being secretive led me into being deceptive. I hid in darkness. It's a secret. People didn't know stuff about me. I didn't tell nobody nothing about me. I was, I was a secretive dude. And, and guess what? Being secretive and being deceptive, it led me to becoming a liar. Just flat out liar. I could lie so good, man. I was a good liar. Secretive, deceptive liar is what I became and who I became. And then it became, it, it became my always response. That's my response. Just lie. First time we go. I mean, and I was already ahead of the game. I was already having a lot, you know. I, to this day, if I see a cop, I already got my plan in my mind. We're going to tell him. I've already, I mean, I'm already going to take him to court. I know what I'm going to say. I know, I'll tell you what, I don't, I'm going to represent myself. <laughs> you know, because in my mind, I'm smarter than all them dumb boys. I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> I, got, I got sued one time by a bank. And the reason I got sued by a bank is because there was a guy who I wanted to love and try to love who was just, and I bought a vehicle from him, I bought a truck from him, and Bevy and I went to Georgia. As we came back down 441, I forget the name of the family that had a car lot out there, 
and there was my truck sitting out there. I mean, I hadn't taken delivery of it yet, and but I already uh, the guy who sold me the truck was was a car dealer, or he worked for a car dealer, and he did all the paperwork for me and everything. So anyhow, and I knew the banker real well, and so we, I was on the way here, and I told Bev, I said, "There's my truck <laughs> for sale on that guy's lot." I said, "What's it doing out there?" And uh, uh, I don't know the name Bostic. Anybody remember Bostic? You remember that name, Joel? And uh, and so anyhow. So I get to town, come to find out. Uh, I call the guy. I said, hey, yeah. Uh, I said, that truck, is that truck for sale? Yeah. I, I said, how long have you had that? I just got it Friday. <laughs> well, this was Monday. I'm like, well, where'd you get it from? Did you get it from so-and-so? He said, yeah. I said, well, how much do you pay for it? He said, $2,500. <laughs> well, the loan was like 10 So I was like, okay. So I called the guy up and didn't answer. Anyhow, long story short, I get, I get sued. So I have to go to court here's the guy who sold who really the banker gave the guy who i bought the car for an open title or a lien or something like that and so what he did instead of transferring it over to me he just took it and resold it to to the guy at the car lot and he had me twenty five hundred dollars so the guy the banker that was sent across he was he was uh you know my friend so i thought and this is what let me know what lawyers do they'll be outside the court the judge's chambers Hey, how you doing? How's the family doing? Hey, hey, you want to have dinner tomorrow night? Yeah, we'll go. Okay, let's play some tennis. You'll play golf? Okay, all right, do that. As soon as they walk in, they sit down across the table. They won't even look at each other. You ever seen them? They don't say like, hey, Bill, I thought you, you know. They just do their job. So we did all the whole thing. And so the guy, the bank, the bank's lawyer, he's, man, he was like quoting scripture and everything. I was like, man, this guy's good, man. It was Mark Shellnut. I don't know if he'll remember Mark. Mark was young then. Mark had scripture, I mean, but laws and quoting all these kind of things. So I had a guy here in town, and I won't call his name, but I had him, and he said, Your Honor, I just don't believe Johnny's guilty. I'm like, dude, quote some scripture or something. I need, what, what? I do something. But thank God my judge was named Carvin Angel. Hallelujah! I had an angel with me and for me. I got to tell you, nobody knew the real me. Nobody. Nobody! See, I always say what you do in the dark when nobody's looking, that's who you really are. And that means you don't believe in a God because God can see in the dark. I was in darkness, became a liar, just like Adam. I was hiding, always hid. I had to present this, present that. Good. And lie over stupid stuff. Once you become a liar, you'll just lie over the stupidest stuff. Won't you? Just stupid stuff. Hey, uh, you know, did you, did you buy and get, go buy and get some gas today? No. Because you don't know really what the motive is. You'll just lie. No. And lying became very easy. I'm using for me example, but remember, I'm talking about y'all. Personal relationship between shepherd and each sheep is key to all the living power of the gospel of salvation. See, I don't like when people say he's my personal savior because it reminds me of a valet or a butler. <laughs> Jesus, get over here and get my luggage. Garcon! We'll have two more. I'm talking about a matter of personal communion and unity with Yeshua. We must establish that individual personal unity where we're walking this right, the right way in our own, and we ponder our own lives. First and foremost, that's really what you're supposed to be doing over there. Saying, okay, how did I do this week? I suck there. I got to change that. I do it in real time. I try to do it in such real time that I, I stop myself from doing it before I do it. There's victory in that. Everything depends upon what I'm saying to you today. 
Yeshua must be real to you. He must be close to you. And he needs to be more real and more close and more intimate than any other human relationship you have. Because the fact is, he's the only one who really knows. We must live constantly in an atmosphere of this close companionship. That we're so aware that we always pause to renew it as we wake each morning. And at the closing of the day with the thankful meditation and the blessings of Yah, we're aware that closest under a different figure, he emphasizes this in another parable called the parable of the vine. This is what he said. Listen, and I want you to listen to it like you never heard it before under the context of what Yahweh is trying to show us today. Abide in me. And I in you, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, ye can do nothing. Do you know that Yahshua can do nothing without God? That's why I'm about, when I talk about the deity of Christ, of course he's deity in the sense of what that word really means. But the fact is that he preexists. No, he was a man and he could do nothing. If he was God on the earth, he didn't need the, a part of, the, of a trinity to help him do something. Are y'all hearing me? I've attached myself to him directly. I'm a part of him. I'm looking constantly to him. I'm drawing continual strength from him. I bring forth, and when I do that, I bring forth fruit unto holiness and righteousness. And everything else is a fade. We used to sing a, you know, a fades away. I, we used to sing this song when I was a kid. I see many people that lived it, but that I knew of. Turn your eyes upon Yeshua. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I'm like, wow, that would be something. On your own. No matter what you do when you're going your own way, no matter what your tensions are, you're going to struggle vainly and flounder and sink without doing it and going down the right road. Here's the figure, the shepherd and the sheep. Did I say I was closing? Oh, my Lord. I'm going to jump to this. And I'm gonna, I'll close with this part right here. I have to pass through a lot of stuff, and I got about that, more, that much more at the bottom that I wasn't going to preach today. I'm going to talk to you about one more thing, and that is Yahweh knowing his sheep by name. Yeshua knowing his sheep by name. Somebody comes to this house, I take an interest in it. I get to know them by name. I contact them. I talk to them. I reach out to them. I try to walk with them. I try to develop a relationship with them to help them progress, help their spiritual progress, and to become friends, ecclesians, and all that. But in the modern world, I think how they raise sheep, the individual aspect of sheep herding and raising is lost. Sheep are raised in personally in the mass that's efficient but it destroys the individual life and the meaning of things let me tell you what i think all progress is not progress sheep respond to the individual approach of love and care they lose their shyness they lose their fear they lose this blank individuality and they will develop a personal affection and attachment to the shepherd i used to worship big years ago that's why i was trained worship big Lots of people, lots of money. I man, got a whole lot of people. And people say, hey, man, Johnny, I was Easter Sunday. I said, you know better than ask me that. Did you have a good crowd? I just, I'm so sad that people think that somehow big is progress. That we're successful because we have more big, lots of people, lots of money, lots of this. That's, a, that's what's going to make us happy somehow. I'm here to tell you, I've seen it and it don't. In the marvelous providence of God, I believe 
that when Yahshua returns and the lamb lays next to the lion, it's going to be because they, everything was, was, was created for personal affection and attachment. And, and all living creatures are that way in some degree. And certainly, certainly, certainly you and I are. And when we proclaim salvation, it, this process has to be very personal. And it has to be an intimate process. And I want to confess something to you this morning that I've withheld from you from the very beginning of something that I know, but I told you something that's not wrong, but I want to, I want to clear it up for you today. There is no such thing as an ecclesia. Dang, John, it's what we named the church of. It's a, I, t- I did that so we, would, that we can move beyond in our own minds and hearts. So what are you saying? There's no ecclesia. Oh, you lied to us, Johnny. Oh, I knew it. I knew you lied. Well, I told you I was a liar. (laughs) Ecclesia is the convenient fiction. It's like a corporation. It has no tangible reality. Let me tell you what we do have, though. All we got is individual brothers and sisters. Ecclesia is this thing. We're not trying to build an Ecclesia corporation. We're trying to build a sheep family who honors and follows the shepherd and know his voice. As the people say, the building ain't the church. Well, this is, this is where the Ecclesia meets. And the more closely that we are knit together in our heart and in our thoughts and in our love, the more fully the ecclesial entity will emerge forth. We're not serving an ecclesia. It don't exist. Well, that's the ecclesia. We got that. No. We develop into what an ecclesia is. The ecclesia don't come and develop what we are. Does that make sense to you? I know I kind of tricked you by saying I held something back from you. So some of you are still in the shock of that. Oh, my God. Does this mean that we're going to go to heaven? <laughs> I still think y'all, some of y'all feel that way. You got me stop right now. We got to quit thinking of seeing ecclesia being a mass, being a group. My illustration is this. Yahshua just didn't. I mean, the, the shepherd didn't have just this big, great flock of sheep, and they kept moving them in. Next, next. Okay, uh, shear the sheep. Cut them close. Let's get that next. Bring it in. Next, 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 next. Okay, next. Let's have, I tell you what, let's give candy away to our children. Let's hunt some eggs and have a perverted uh, rabbit hopping around in the church. And let's name it after an a, a incestuous queen and so we can get more sheep and more sheep and more sheep for the purpose of serving a concept of ecclesia. That ain't what we're doing. This is about individuality. This is about crystal. This is about coach. This is about Tucker. This is about Jimmy. This ain't about, we ain't trying to build a, a mass thing of that, uh, that we're going to call it ecclesia. And if we fill all the chairs up, hallelujah. Oh, it's winning. No, it's individual. Power and wealth and influence are always built on manipulating mass people. Get you on my prayer list. Get you on my my uh, partner list. All I want is to get more views on my TikTok account. Why? So I can get money and not do nothing. Let me tell you what the multitude wanted to do. They wanted to make Malshu a king. And it would have been easy, man. It was the right time. They were all ready. They were going to overthrow the Roman Empire. How much great and spectacular good could he have done for the masses as their king? It's perfect. He's a king, and now he can do all of this. That's a fallen concept, that your flesh 
is begging you to do. All these things I'll give you if you'll just fall down and worship me. What? Give me what? Lots of people and lots of money. And you can put that in whatever category your world is. Did not Yahshua have a responsibility to operate on the largest scale, to spread good and as widely as possible to as many as possible? It's the argument of well-meaning people today, and it's a flawed concept. It is a carnal concept. It is a flesh concept, and it is not God's way. It's trying to get in the door some other way, and that thief will rob them of their lives. And I want to tell you, I know men who have all of that and have killed themselves. People who know better say we should seek the divine end and the plan and the purpose of God by some worldly cooperative means. But Yahshua didn't. He wasn't as smart as we are. He chose the slow, hard, unspectacular, individual way. He chose to be simple, an obscure shepherd, and to call his sheep one by one and by name. We are not going to deal with this ecclesia as masses. We're not going to even think that this is a mass. We got a crowd today. We got this. We, that, that's not my goal. So don't ever feel sorry for me about what you think there's no chairs uh, all full. That don't matter to me. The great shepherd is so busy with the individual things. I'm not concerned with the modern, efficient, lifeless, natural way. I don't care. We should consider one another individually. We need to get to know one another individually. We need to approach in people individually with love. That's why Paul, in his salutations, he called names. Why? Because he knew those people. One by one, he didn't think them of the, a group. Paul said this, he, that Yahshua calleth his own sheep by name. Lord, help me get to the end of this. The more individual people we know, truly know in the sense of getting heart to heart with mutual understanding, sympathy and comfort, not to criticize but sympathize, the fuller and the richer and the more Christ-like our life's going to be and the closer we are to the great shepherd of the sheep. The more we're self-centered, though, in our own affairs, in our own interests, in our own personal welfare, in our own enjoyment, the emptier and cheaper and more useless your wife will be. It will be okay initially. But the Bible says that a corn of wheat has to fall on the ground and die. And if it does, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. We still got to die. And then verse 25 says, For he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, the great shepherd. God bless y'all for tuning in today. Hey, I only get you once a week, okay? Hallelujah. I feel like I should sing. I should sing or something. Huh? <laughs>